Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, Midas Mighty. Was the night before Christmas Eve and Donald Trump was filing his appeal brief before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, claiming that he has absolute immunity to commit any crimes while he is in office and that everything Special Counsel Jack Smith put in the criminal indictment that was unsealed back in August constitute official acts of the presidency such that Donald Trump should not be criminally prosecuted at all. What is more treasonous, the brief that Donald Trump just filed before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals or Donald Trump arguing to the Colorado Supreme Court that he didn't take an oath to support the United States Constitution? I think both are equally traitorous and treasonous, but we will talk about it here on the show. Also, a Christmas tradition, if you will. Donald Trump is whining that this is the worst Christmas ever and that 2024 is going to hell and that everything is terrible. Meanwhile, President Biden wished Americans and the world a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Brett, I also noticed that you were having fun with uh, your holiday spirit, if you will, yeah. telling the MAGA trolls that it was Trump who banned the words Merry Christmas and President Biden who saved Christmas this year and once and for all. I want to get into that, but you were having a little too much fun there. I also saw that Trump smells and Trump toe bags were trending over the weekend when I pulled up some of my social media. I need to ask you, Brett, to fill me in on on the details there. But in all seriousness, Trump is looking weaker and weaker by the day as we head into 2024. And I'm not just talking about in a prospective general election. I'm talking about the primaries. And Donald Trump is now lashing out at Nikki Haley, who's surging in the New Hampshire primaries, calling her bird brain, because that is a mature thing for someone who wants to lead the country to do. And despite the media's efforts to try to gaslight us all this holiday season, there's absolutely no denying right now that President Biden has the momentum going into 2024. It's like the media is upset that their narrative is sinking. They thought they were going to try to push and hoist this narrative on us all, but uh-uh, with strong economic metrics, metrics, with steady and stable leadership by President Biden, things are looking up heading into 2024. A lot changes, Brett, in about a 20-day period, right, as the media tried so hard to doom and gloom and rip the hope away, but the numbers don't lie, the actual facts don't lie. And when you can start conveying that to the truth, you can break through these bogus media narratives. And I think we're seeing that now. So that's something I'm thankful for. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, Midas Mighty. It's great to be here with you. I've got family in the other room doing uh, karaoke. So I am in a new location for this uh, video. You may hear some Taylor Swift being sung. I know that triggers MAGA. You may hear that from time to time. So bear with us as we try to get through this uh, Christmas and holiday episode. Brett, how are you? 
I'm doing well on YouTube, podcast apps, all of the above. Please don't take this episode down if you hear a little bit of karaoke in the background. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying we're all doing our best here to bring you this show on this Christmas Day 2023, perhaps Donald Trump's final Christmas as a non-convicted felon. We will see, folks. He is in for a rough year ahead in 2024, but we here are in for a huge year, a consequential year in 2024, and I'm so honored to be able to do this show with you today. I know uh, when we were discussing it earlier, and we, we always try at all costs. We go, no matter what is going on, we're going to try to get the show. The show must go on, as they say. So Jordy may be caught up in his Christmas festivities today. Ben may have the Christmas festivities going on literally behind that door in his house today. But we are going to plow through and bring you the latest. And honestly, I just wanted to be able to spend this day with the Midas Mighty. It's always my favorite thing to be able to spend this you know, hour, hour and a half with the Midas Mighty and to be able to bring everybody the news and have some fun while we do it. So sending my love to everybody this holiday season. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas uh, to all those who may be going through a tough time. I uh, know we are here for you. I know this could also be a tough time for many people, uh, but we want to wish all of our followers and all of our listeners here the absolute best. When we last left off, it was the day before uh, the United States Supreme Court ultimately denied special counsel Jack Smith's petition for certiorari which was Jack Smith's request for a direct appeal to the Supreme Court to hear Donald Trump's appeal on a district court judge, Judge Tanya Chutkin's denial of Donald Trump's motion to dismiss the criminal indictment on absolute presidential uh, immunity grounds. Um, When special counsel Jack Smith sought this emergency relief, to the United States Supreme Court, it's important to remember that Jack Smith did not know what type of briefing schedule the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals was going to set. And for all Jack Smith knew, and for all we knew, that could have been a very elongated schedule, uh, potentially even preventing the Washington, D.C. federal criminal case from going to trial in 2024. And so, That context of why special counsel Jack Smith brought this emergency petition to the Supreme Court is important because normally what the steps are in any appeals is you have the trial level court in the federal system. That's the district court. Then you have the various courts of appeals across the country that supervise the uh, district courts across the country. And there are different circuits that oversee different district courts. So for Washington, D.C., it's the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, and ultimately on the biggest, most important issues or where there are splits or conflicts between the different circuit courts across the country, that's where the Supreme Court would potentially grant certiorari, which is that oral argument before the Supreme Court. And so normally, if you think about the process like an elevator, you don't take the elevator to the penthouse, right? The penthouse in this example being the Supreme Court. You start at the ground floor of the district court. You go to the Court of Appeals. 
And then you go to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court indeed rejects most of the cases that go before it. And if the Supreme Court ultimately doesn't rule, and depending on what the the circuit courts of appeals do, then the law just basically stands what it is if the Supreme Court doesn't think that it's an important issue to uh, address. So here, what special counsel Jack Smith was arguing is that this is one of those extraordinary cases the, the, the rarest of the rare cases where you, the Supreme Court, can get involved right now. And we don't know what the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is going to do. Our democracy is on the line, is basically the argument that Special Counsel Jack Smith made. But after Special Counsel Jack Smith made that petition to the Supreme Court, something interesting happened, which is the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, that next level on the elevator to the penthouse or to the Supreme Court, if you will, they expedited all of the briefing. They set Trump's uh, opening brief to be due December 23rd, Jack Smith's brief to be due December 30th, Trump's reply to be due January 2nd, 2024, and ultimately uh, oral argument before the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals by January 9th of 2024, which means I think we can get a written ruling, I think, before January 20th at this point. So now the United States Supreme Court has a different set of cards before it than it did when special counsel Jack Smith first brought this uh, petition to the penthouse. And the Supreme Court, I think, and this is why there's no notable dissents, and this is why I did the hot take right away and said, I'm not as worried as a lot of people are yet about what the Supreme Court did. I think the Supreme Court said, wow, this D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is moving very quickly. Let's wait to see what the Circuit Court of Appeals says. I think we all are very confident that the D.C. Circuit's going to affirm Judge Tanya Chutkin, the federal judge's denial of Donald Trump's motion to dismiss uh, the indictment on absolute presidential immunity grounds, because the arguments are just completely frivolous and bogus. And then it's going to go back to the Supreme Court on another petition for certiorari. That becomes the bigger issue. What type of briefing will the Supreme Court set? Will the Supreme Court hear the case now? Will the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals grant any sort of stay of their mandate when they affirm the federal judge's order um, and send it back to the D.C. District uh, Court for the trial? Then we'll have a better sense of what's you know what's going to happen with the trial date. But right now, nothing changes the fact that this would be a 2024 trial as of now, and the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is moving uh, exceptionally, exceptionally quickly. So over the weekend, as I said in the intro, uh, Donald Trump filed his opening brief. Uh, arguing why he believes he should have absolute presidential uh, immunity. And, you know, we've seen Donald Trump file what I just want to be direct and say that I think these briefs are, you know, treasonous and traitorous documents when you really break them down what he's saying. Like we saw the one he filed before to the Colorado Supreme Court, like, I know all of the MAGA people are saying, oh, it's so outrageous that the Colorado Supreme Court ruled that Donald Trump should be disqualified from the ballot. But like, okay, MAGA, like, look at what Donald Trump argued to the Colorado Supreme Court. He said, Donald Trump did not take an oath to support the Constitution of the United States. That's what it says. It goes, this is from the, the brief to the Colorado Supreme Court that Trump lost. The framers excluded the office 
of the president from Section 3 purposefully. Section 3 does not apply because the presidency is not an office, quote, under the United States. The president is not a, quote, officer of the United States. And Trump did not take an oath to, quote, support the Constitution of the United States. Like, I don't know how any American can look at that document and go to yourself, uh, this is someone who I got to support. What what a great legal argument. Trump, yeah, he didn't take the oath to support the Constitution. Well, he clearly acted like he didn't take the oath to support the Constitution. So there's that. But no, he took an oath to protect and defend the United States Constitution, which means to support the Constitution. How are you arguing that the oath of office because you're an officer, makes you not an officer and that you didn't take the oath. But Brett, here's the brief that he just filed on December 23rd, per the deadlines right here that were ordered by the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. It says Donald Trump, and by the way, they always refer to him, Trump's lawyers, in the brief as President Trump, which I don't refer to him as, so I just say Trump. Trump has absolute immunity from prosecution for his official acts as president. The indictment alleges only official acts, so it must be dismissed. And then it goes on to make the various arguments why they think that. So so just to be clear, what Trump is arguing is that if you accept as true, right, all of the things in special counsel Jack Smith's indictment that was unsealed on August 1st, if you accept as true those facts, Everything in the indictment that alleges how Donald Trump tried to overthrow the election, Trump says, are official acts of the presidency such that he's subject to absolute presidential immunity, accepting everything that Jack Smith you know, says as true. So Trump's not even arguing here, I didn't do those things. Trump is saying, except that I did all of those things. I get absolute presidential immunity for that, and you can't criminally prosecute me. And then it goes on to say in this brief that the judiciary, because of the separation of powers, has no role in ever making rulings regarding current or form, in this case, former presidents. That's the argument that he made over the weekend. So just think about those two arguments, Brett. Yeah, it's uh, he's just relying on the fact that he's claiming – Everything that he did in furtherance of the insurrection against the United States to try to overturn a free and fair election, those were just normal presidential acts. And then the other thing that I noticed inside of this briefing when I was reading it was Donald Trump's argument that because he was not convicted in his Senate impeachment trial for January 6th, that he has a get out of free, get out of jail free card, and he could no longer be criminally prosecuted for his actions on January 6th, which is just completely outrageous. And even during the proceedings of the, even during those very impeachment proceedings, you had Mitch McConnell specifically say that there were other means by which Donald Trump could be held accountable, mainly within the criminal justice system. Of course, impeachment is a political thing. It's not a judicial thing. So Donald Trump is trying to claim some sort of double jeopardy here, which simply does not exist. And I I think it's incredibly telling, and I think it shows how airtight Jack Smith's case is that he's not saying, to Ben's point, you know what, that Trump is not saying, I didn't do these things. 
what, all, everything that's alleged is a lie. Instead, he is saying, okay, I may have done those things, but I am completely immune. But the argument just falls apart on its face for so many reasons, aside for just being completely absurd. The executive branch doesn't have anything to do with elections, like just period. Like we we have a a system of federalism whereby the states run their elections. This is not a task of the president of the United States. And I find it ironic now that you see all of these kind of MAGA people who for so long, when you would make sort of some sort of comment about democracy, like we want to protect democracy, what would their reaction always be, Ben? Their, their snapback reaction, they'd go, we're not a democracy. We're a republic. We're not a democracy. It's like saying, uh, we're not a, a sandwich. We're a, we're, a, we're a chicken sandwich. It's like, okay, that's a kind of, of sandwich you're talking about here. We're, we're talking about the same thing you're trying to get out of it. But now all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're trying to go back and, and use that argument. And they're going, no, we're actually not a republic. We're actually, uh, the, the, the executive branch runs everything. There's no consistency whatsoever in any of these arguments. One of the most notable quotes that I saw in this brief that Trump filed, by the way, with like less than an hour to spare the other night before it was due, Trump's lawyers argued, quote, during the 234 years from 1789 to 2023, no current or former president had ever been criminally prosecuted for official acts. That unbroken tradition died this year. It's like Trump's attorney going out there and saying, you know what, court? No president in the history of the United States has committed as many crimes and has been as corrupt as my client. Like you, they have to realize at a certain point that that is the message that they're sending. I thought some of the funniest takes on this were from George Conway, who is a conservative lawyer. He was, he used to be a Lincoln Project guy. I'm sure everyone who listens to us knows who George Conway is, and he uh, he took the comments that Donald Trump's lawyers made and he put his own little twist on them. I'll read some of George Conway's tweets about this because I found them pretty funny here. Here's one of them, for example. Uh, He takes the language of Trump's lawyers. Conway writes, during the 227 years from 1789 to 2016, no current or former or prospective president had ever paid $130,000 to a pornographic actress. That unbroken tradition died that year. And he continued, he goes on this one, during the 234 years from 1789 to 2023, no current or former president had ever civilly been held liable for rape. That unbroken tradition died this year. And he goes on again, during the 234 years from 1789 to 2023, no current or former president had ever been charged with a single criminal count. That unbroken tradition died 91 times this year. So good. And it really just exposes the absurdity of Donald Trump's attorney's arguments, arguments that, of course, have already been rejected quite forcefully by Judge Chuckin. And they continue to try to make these completely garbage arguments without ever adapting them to the fact that they have no merit whatsoever, whatsoever. So next up, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals will take a read of Trump's opening brief that we just gave you some of the points Trump is making. Jack Smith files December 30th. Trump files a reply January 2nd. 
that oral argument, uh, they have the audio available, Brett, uh, live. So we'll be able to play the oh, audio nice. most likely from that D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals argument. It's going to be scathing. I mean, they're going to they're going to rip into Trump's lawyers there. So that will be uh, interesting to listen to. And then the question is, is how soon do they rule thereafter? It seems such like an obvious ruling that you may get a ruling within, you know, five to 10 days thereafter. Then you go back to the Supreme Court. Donald Trump will try to delay bringing it before the Supreme Court. Donald Trump will see, here's what's going to happen. I could predict it fairly easily. Trump's going to seek about a 60 to 90 day, probably longer stay from the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals to be able to contemplate whether or not to seek a petition for certiorari because it's all about delay. Jack Smith, the day or day after that ruling happens, will file the petition for certiorari right back to the Supreme Court. I expect the Supreme Court then to order another Trump response within five days. And then we'll see what the Supreme Court does. Will the Supreme Court take oral argument during this term? Will the Supreme Court basically say that this issue is so obvious that a president should not have you know, our former president should have absolute presidential immunity, that it's not even, you know, worth them even resolving in this term and that the case should go to trial and then maybe come back up after the appeals, after a verdict and then after the appeals process takes place. Is it something they need to even get involved with now? Is the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals going to issue any type of stay that will delay these proceedings at the trial court level? I don't think the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals will um, issue any sort of stay to delay this. You have a big pro-democracy paddle right here that I think, uh, you know, is, is, is going to very swiftly reject Trump's arguments. And I think the DC Circuit Court of Appeals is also going to look at what the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals recently ruled in smacking down Mark Meadows and Jeff Clark, the MAGA lawyer, Jeff Clark, who tried to seize power in the Department of Justice and become the attorney general and send that letter to uh, the states to overthrow the results of their election. And Meadows, Trump's former chief of staff, Meadows appealed to the 11th Circuit uh, on the issue of federal officer removal from the Fulton County District Attorney uh, State Court in indictment was rejected on the grounds the 11th Circuit said, you're a former federal official, buddy. You're not a current federal official, so you can't avail yourself to federal official removal or federal officer removal. And then they also said, Brett, exactly your point. And and to me, they were sending a message here to the D.C. Circuit and to the Supreme Court because the 11th Circuit is a right-wing court. They have a reputation for being actual conservative, not MAGA conservative. And they said, when it comes to Mark Meadows, you're not supposed to be involved. Article two executive, you don't get involved in election and campaigning and things like that. And then they went around when Jeff Clark asked them for a stay at the 11th Circuit. They said, they said, Jeff Clark, you have no chance of succeeding on the merits. Didn't you just read what we said to Meadows? Former federal officers can't remove. And also that that conduct is not within Article one excuse me, Article Two executive uh, power. Get, get out of here, Meadow. So, I mean, sorry, get out of here, Jeff Clark. So that's what we have, get you out. know, with the 11th Circuit sending messages right there. So, so it's so interesting, Brett, not interesting, but predictable, I would say rather, that you have Donald Trump, you know, sending things to his followers like, 
Um, ju- this is a, a fundraising email that Trump just sent out. Justice is a beautiful thing. The worst and most corrupt president in history was just denied by the Supreme Court. And Trump is bragging that the Supreme Court denied certiorari on special counsel Jack Smith's petition for a writ of certiorari, which we just explained to you what it means. And the funny thing is, though, Ben, like if you actually know a little bit about the law here with Donald Trump's email, it sounds like he's speaking about himself. Uh, he goes, justice delivered, all caps, justice is a beautiful thing. The worst and most corrupt president in history was just denied by the Supreme Court. The worst and most corrupt president in history was just denied. Let me remind everybody that the appeal that was denied was Donald Trump's appeal. Okay. It was Donald Trump's. So he is not knowingly calling himself the worst and most corrupt president in history because to his followers, you know, he has a different language. He is trying to present this as some sort of politically motivated prosecution by, by president Biden. And in the Trump world, President Biden is both senile and unable to even dress himself in the morning, but simultaneously (laughs) is responsible for every single one of Donald Trump's legal woes in every single jurisdiction. Letitia James, yes. Fonnie Willis in Georgia, yes. President Biden, we got the federal case in D.C., President Biden. We got the case in Florida. President Biden. That is the framing by which Donald Trump speaks to his followers. But if you know even a little bit about what is going on here, when Donald Trump says the most corrupt and worst president in history was just denied, he's actually referring to his own appeal. He's referring to himself. Such a great point. I mean, he (laughs) is appealing the district court's denial of his motion to dismiss on absolute presidential immunity grounds. So Trump appealed to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, and special counsel Jack Smith then went directly to the Supreme Court and said, look, this is such an important issue. Look, even Trump and Trump's lawyers are saying this is important. Why don't you resolve this issue, Supreme Court? And Trump, who has all his lawyers out there saying that they have a slam dunk, absolute presidential immunity defense, that like, like, like in a snap of a finger that they'll be able to get this case dismissed by the United States Supreme Court. They have the opportunity to have the Supreme Court hear their case. And what does Trump argue to the Supreme Court? Don't hear the case right now, please, Supreme Court. We know that you can like – Trump's argument, if you take it to its next conclusion, we know that you're going to, to rule in our favor, but please hold off in ruling it. We instead want to go through all the other levels and lose, and then you can ultimately decide. That's what we really want you to do, Supreme Court. And and to me, that's the most obvious of arguments, Brett, to your point right there, which is like, if you thought you were going to win this argument, Donald Trump, and this is why special counsel Jack Smith's maneuver, even though the Supreme Court didn't uh, grant certiorari yet, was such an important move, I think, because it puts Trump on the spot. Okay, this is a six to three right wing court, nine justices, three of the justices you appointed Donald Trump. The other three consist of Alito and Thomas, who are even more right wing than the ones you appointed, and John Roberts, who's a more moderate conservative, but still a right wing justice. But this should be your dream panel right here. This should be your dream to go in front of this group of nine right now with six who you believe are right wing. And you don't want to do it. Well, that tells the world 
everything that they need to know about how Donald Trump actually views what his defenses are. And he knows their BS and his whole plan is delay, delay and delay. I want to show some of these messages though for Christmas. It's kind of become a tradition at this season. point where you show Donald Trump's posts and then you compare them to what President Biden uh, is saying. Let's do all of that, Brett, but I want to take our first quick break of the day in just a moment. But I do want to, before we take our break, just wish everybody again a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays. If you are able to check out our Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch, become a member of that. It helps grow this independent media platform. We don't have outside investors. Let's take our first quick break and then let's go through some of these messages that Trump posts. Let's compare them to what President Biden's posting and talking about. And then Brett, you got to let us know about some of these trends, like why is Trump toe bags and smelly Trump? <laughs> why why, are, why is that trending? We'll get into it. Um, we'll get into you, it. You are, you are having some fun, Brett, as well with some of these MAGA trolls. You'll share that. And I want to talk about the economy, economy, economy right now heading into 2024. Let's take a quick break. My New Year's resolution is to start eating healthy, but my problem is eating healthy usually means bland or not enough food. That has all changed with Marley Spoon. This podcast is sponsored by Marley Spoon. Marley Spoon knows bland food is boring, so they created the best tasting meal kit money can buy. With my code MIDAS, you can get up to 25 free meals. With Marley Spoon, you can choose from over 100 delicious recipes every week, from Cajun spiced chicken to poached salmon to butternut squash gnocchi to a vegan burrito bowl. Yum! And many of the recipes are completely customizable. Whether you are looking for vegetarian meals, family-friendly dishes, or, or low-carb options, Marley Spoon has the food you want to eat. Between you and me, that Cajun spiced chicken is my absolute favorite, and the convenience is undeniable. Marley Spoon also saves you from making that extra grocery haul with their online market of pantry essentials. You can shop their selection of 125-plus items like seasonal produce, ready-to-heat options, meal shortcuts, extra proteins, and handy snacks, and easily add them to my next Marley Spoon box. With meal planning and food shopping taken care of, making delicious food at home has finally become effortless. Marley Spoon has flexible plans, endless options, and different ways to personalize so cooking at home fits easily into your lifestyle. Plus, with Marley Spoon, you aren't locked in long-term. Marley Spoon's flexible subscription allows you to edit, pause, or cancel your boxes anytime. So, experience the most personalized meal kit with Marley Spoon. Head to marleyspoon.com slash offer slash Midas and use code Midas for up to 25 free meals. That's right, up to 25 free meals with Marley Spoon. One last time, that's marleyspoon.com. You spell it M-A-R-L-E-Y, marleyspoon.com backslash offer backslash Midas, M-E-I-D-A-S, for up to 25 free meals, and make sure you use our promo code MIDAS so they know that we sent you. 
Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Made's bed sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics and makes temperature regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Using silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long so you get better sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than sheets used by some five-star hotels. Miracle sheets are the perfect gift for your spouse, friends, or family. Who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bed sheets? And since these come with three free towels, you get two gifts in one, just in time for the holidays. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Bacteria can clog your pores, causing breakouts and acne. Sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash Midas to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40%. And if you use our promo Midas, M-E-I-D-A-S, at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash Midas and use the code Midas to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Midas, T-R-Y-M-I-R-A-C-L-E dot com slash M-E-I-D-A-S to treat yourself, a friend, or loved one this holiday season. Welcome back. We are here on the Midas Touch Podcast Christmas edition. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays, everybody. This has kind of become the uh, holiday tradition, if you will. Donald Trump makes deranged posts all in caps. So we compare it to what President Biden is saying. Let's take a look at what Donald Trump is writing for his uh, Christmas messages. He writes, uh, Merry Christmas to all, including crooked Joe Biden's only hope, deranged Jack Smith, out of control lunatic who just hired outside attorneys, fresh from the swamp, unprecedented to help him with the poorly executed witch hunt against Trump and MAGA, Included also our world leaders, both good and bad, but none of which are evil and sick as the thugs we have inside our country who, with their open borders, inflation, Afghanistan, surrender, green new scam, high taxes, no energy dependence, woke military, Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Iran, all electric car, lunacy, and so much more are looking to destroy a once great USA. May they rot in hell. Again, Merry Christmas. May they rot in hell, he says. Again, Merry Christmas. Uh, The leading candidate for the uh, leading nominee for the GOP candidacy for president, everybody. May they rot in hell. What a Christmas message. Yeah, saying that the leaders who are purportedly in our two-party system just supposed to be from another political party, although with Trump, it's like 
fascism versus democracy. If you don't believe what Donald Trump says, then you should rot in hell and you are more dangerous than Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un. But Brett, when you look at this, it's, it's coming to the point though, where I think the country's recognizing just how pathetic, like pathetic it is. It it doesn't have the same sting. It's weird. It's desperate. It, It just... It he's hits a weird very guy. He's a, he's a weirdo, and it hits differently too. Like, as you know, it's become apparent to me, and I've been saying this for a while. Like, how much of our politics is kind of vibes based, just based on like how people are feeling about things. And there's data that plays into the vibes, but I think we've seen a clear vibe shift, especially over this past month or couple months, um, when it comes to a lot of the major issues uh, that are happening in the country. So when Donald Trump tries railing against, you know, inflation and inflation is coming down and the U.S. is handling inflation better than literally every other country in the world, uh, when he's getting mad about things like electric vehicles, which more people than ever are buying and are not being forced upon anybody, when he says no energy independence and the United States is actually the world leader in oil drilling and in renewable energy production. Like all of his stuff just sounds ridiculous. And then you see a normal person in President Biden out there. You see President Biden with his family. You see President Biden giving normal holiday messages. And then you see Donald Trump just being a like a freak and a weirdo and a dangerous human being like quoting Hitler and having to say that actually I never read Mein Kampf. Like when, when once you have to say that, like as a politician running for office, you know that something has gone horribly awry. Um, but I think a lot of people are catching up to this, and there's a lot of good momentum for President Biden now heading into this new year. And we'll get into more of that in a bit. Let's go through some of these other uh, Trump Christmas messages. You know, there's no like reference to the military positively. He 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 trashed the military in that last post, but there's no words of you know, thoughts to our military. There is nothing about his family or, you know, good wishes for Americans. Uh, here's another post, uh, once again, making that Christmas holiday about himself. 2024, all caps, 2024 will go down as the year of the great and fully coordinated illegal election interference by crooked Joe Biden, the worst and most corrupt president in the history, blah, 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 blah. Merry Christmas. That's his Merry Christmas message again. Here's his third Merry Christmas message. Merry Christmas message. They spied on my campaign, lied to Congress, cheated on FISA, rigged a presidential election, blah, 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 blah. Merry Christmas. That's how he decided to celebrate Christmas uh, this year. And now let's look at what a normal uh, human being, let's look at what President Biden, the kinds of things that he's writing, the kinds of messages that he is putting out on this holiday. President Biden goes from our family to yours. Merry Christmas, America, with an image of a Christmas tree uh, with some presents in front of it. Another message this Christmas Eve, Jill and I got to speak with some excited young Americans who happen to be very curious about the whereabouts of ours, of one Santa Claus. Thankfully, Nora at Santa confirmed that St. Nick is on his way, and he's got a picture of himself and with Dr. Jill Biden. Here's another President Biden post here. This Christmas Eve, my wish for you and your family is that you take a few moments of quiet reflection and find that stillness that's at the center of the Christmas story. May you find peace in this silent night and warmth for those surrounding you. President Biden, again, 
Jill and I hope you are able to spend this time with your loved ones this holiday season. During this time, we're also thinking of the brave women and men in uniform who defend our nation, many of them away from their families. We wish you joy and happiness this Christmas Eve. Notably, President Biden, they are not attacking our military, not causing, calling them a woke military, but actually wishing them the best and uh, wishing that they're able to spend some time with their loved ones this holiday season. By the way, I should notice that there are far more of our troops who are able this year to spend this holiday time with their families because President Biden did get our troops out of the forever war in Afghanistan, which Donald Trump wants to treat like it's a bad thing, which it's a good thing. You also had Dr. Jill Biden from the 101st Airborne Division. Uh, here's a video of her handing out uh, toys and gifts and other treats and goodies to Fort Campbell families displaced by the December 9th tornado, a part of the First Lady's Joining Forces Initiative. Here's the 101st Airborne Division thanking Dr. Jill Biden for showing up and handing out these toys and gifts to uh, children who need it. And the differences truly could not be clearer. And you know, you you have to just understand like the spirit of the holiday. And by the way, of all the holidays at this time period, not just Christmas, but the spirit of the holidays. It's about being together. It's about love. It's about community. It's about giving. It's not about me, 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 my problems, my problems. But I think what you see in Donald Trump, when you look, even just look at these messages without even reading the words, you see a guy <laughs> who is really going through some stuff. You see a guy who is really feeling the weight of all of these cases. And by the way, he knows, he's got to know that within the next few months, within the next year for sure, he will likely be a convicted felon and he could be facing serious prison time. And this time next year, he will not be having such a Merry Christmas. I could tell you that. And so now, one of the things, should I get into uh, with the fun that I had? So, you know, one of the, what Donald Trump does and what all these MAGA Republicans like to do, they just make things up, right? So everybody knows, and we said it like weeks ago, where, 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 where's the coverage going to come from Fox? When are they going to declare the war on Christmas is here? It was always their big line, right? That Democrats, they refused to say Christmas. They banned the word Christmas. And Donald Trump, he's the one who brought Christmas back and said Merry Christmas. So- I decided to have a little bit of fun because I'll, I'll show you some context also. Like this is a, a MAGA influencer, somebody with influence in the MAGA world. This is how they treat Christmas, right? A, a Once again, a holiday that's supposed to be about us coming together, about family, about giving. Here's Bridget Gabriel, MAGA influencer. She goes, I don't care how many liberals I offend by saying this. Merry Christmas. Okay, listen, no one's offended. Yeah, Nobody's really, offended really, by Merry Christmas. No, you're not hurting us. I understand that it's like your identity is about trying to like upset liberals. Like we're like people laugh at you. Like we think you're just total clowns. And so I thought that I would have some fun with the Bridget Gabriels of the world here. So I decided to flip this narrative on its head as I was traveling across the country and had nothing better to do, quite frankly. And so I decided to tweet out that you know who actually saved Christmas? President Biden. It actually saved Christmas. Don, Donald Trump tried to ban Christmas. He didn't let people say Merry Christmas ever, but President Biden brought it back. And we could say Merry Christmas once again, thanks to President Biden. If you were saying, Brett, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. 
I agree with you. And that's the same things that these Trump supporters say about Donald Trump. So I wanted to just like throw some confusion their way. So I posted this initial uh, tweet. Um, There's one good thing about still being on uh, X where you have all these uh, MAGA people who think they're very self-important and popular. So I said, we're saying Merry Christmas again. You weren't allowed to say that during the Trump years. Biden brought back Merry Christmas. And I played a clip from, so last week we told you that we were at the uh, at the White House for a holiday party. President Biden spoke and President Biden wished the crowd Merry Christmas. So this is the four second clip that triggered MAGA like no other. I'll play the four seconds right now. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas everybody here at the White House. Killed him. <laughs> it destroyed them. Said Merry Christmas. And so when I stuck it in their face in that way and said President Biden brought back Merry Christmas from Donald Trump, who I had banned Merry Christmas. First off, I, I want to give a shout out to all, all my followers out there, many of you listening, who chimed in uh, to play along with the uh, game we were going in. Um, let's see if I could find some of these over here. Oh, oh uh, let's see if I can find them. First, I'll say, okay, so I, I first said the Merry Christmas. My second tweet was, can't believe Trump banned the phrase. He made everyone instead say, sir, happy Trump day. You don't smell at all, sir. That's not why I have tears in my eyes, sir. It was very strange times. And then I said, notice how there's no community note here. That means it's all true. Checkmate, MAGA. Because one of the things that the MAGA people on Twitter like to say is that disinformation can't spread on Twitter because Elon Musk has invented, he didn't invent it, he just renamed it. He has community notes and community notes will correct all the information that's not true before it spreads. And so I say, there's no community note on this post. Now let's get into just some of the very, uh, the people, I'll first say some of the friends, the people who uh, joined me in this. Jordy, who's not here, said Biden saved Christmas. I said, yes, many people are saying it. Uh, this other account, Scott Peter DePaul said, thank you, President Biden, for giving this back to the people with a laughing emoji. Francis Maxwell, a contributor on the network, said, thanks to President Biden, I could finally say without an ounce of hesitation, Merry Christmas to all. We had a lot of ha-ha-has and LOLs and just a lot of really funny comments from you guys. This is a fact and here's the proof. Somebody said, thank you, POTUS, Joe Biden, for allowing Americans to say Merry Christmas. And what we realized is when we dug up old comments from Donald Trump, you know, before he tried to cultivate this super angry MAGA base, guess who used to say happy holidays quite frequently? Donald Trump used to say happy holidays quite frequently. So we had plenty of uh, posts from Donald Trump saying happy holidays. I'll show those in a little bit. But let me go through some of the trolls, the troll posts now, some of the people who were quite angry uh, with me over this. So here's a guy named Sean B who chimed in to say, so to be clear, this is a left-wing nut, literally implying that Trump and Republicans were are the forces behind blacklisting the phrase Merry Christmas. At Community Notes, I give up. There's no point to this site any longer. It's utter insanity at Elon Musk. It's one of the things they do too. They try to tag Elon Musk to try to like save them. They always need like a like a everything to come in and like, help me, Elon, Elon, help me. This, this person's being mean to me. He's making fun of me. But this person didn't even realize that I was making fun of them. And so I, uh, I, I then posted at them. I answered with a screenshot of Donald Trump's post, which said, wishing everyone a very happy holiday season from 2010. 
And I said to this Sean B. MAGA person, open a history book. Trump literally founded the war on Christmas and was the top general. He even called Santa an illegal immigrant who was poisoning the blood of our country. Thankfully, President Biden brought back Christmas, and now we could say Merry Christmas once again. That comment did not make Sean B. happy again. Sean B. said, do you even think before you tweet? Saying happy holidays representing the entire country is not removing Christmas. So let me just show what happened there. I turned Sean B. woke. I turned I turned Sean B. <laughs> somebody who valued inclusivity and actually understood why people might want to say the phrase happy holidays to people they don't know. Sean B., once Sean B. found out that Donald Trump said happy holidays, suddenly it was not a war on Christmas anymore. Suddenly, Sean B. said, do you even think before you tweet saying happy holidays representing the entire country is not removing Christmas? To which I said, wait, I think this individual may be onto something. So you're saying Trump could say happy holidays. And that does not mean that he is declaring a war on Christmas. Very big. If true, very big, if true, Sean. And there were so many people. It, it was the best bait for people. Uh, and it just totally confused them and, and messed up their minds here. Uh, I watched you do, I, I was watching you do that, Brett, on, while you were on the airplane. I was saying, <laughs> Brett's having a little bit too much fun doing this. Here's, here's, here's another one. Gabby 25. See, because this is the lie, right? Gabby 25, this is someone on Twitter. Uh, they go, no, what are you talking about? Donald Trump didn't ban Merry Christmas. It was Obama. <laughs> that, that was this person's response to me. And so then I posted a screenshot of Obama saying Merry Christmas in 2010 next to a 2010 post of Donald Trump saying Happy Holidays. And I said, these were posted the same year. Barack Obama wasn't afraid to say Merry Christmas. Note, this was before, and then I went into my stupid thing. No, this was before <laughs> Trump banned the phrase Merry Christmas as president in 2017 and locked up the December 25th prisoners. Biden then freed them on his first day in office. <laughs> I just kept going along with this ridiculous troll. But, you know, when I threw it back in their face to them, you know, they, they truly couldn't handle it because it's clear that they have one standard for Donald Trump. And they have one standard for other people. If Donald Trump is revealed to have said happy holidays, oh, he was just trying to include everybody. What are you talking about? If Barack Obama and Joe Biden say happy holidays, there's a war on Christmas. They're trying to erase us, right? That's, this is how it goes. When they find out Donald Trump was on Jeffrey Epstein's jet, Oh, he was just there to uh, inspect it. Uh, he, he was there because he was trying to right? Like, like uh, they, they have double standards. Trump Epstein's went there. undercover on Jeffrey Epstein's jet to try to identify everybody who was involved. Like, That's why Trump was on the jet all the time. All the time. Like, y'all, this is your big thing. Like, you're obsessed with the Epstein stuff, which is fine. But, like, when the list comes out and Trump's on it, Many times, like a handful of times flying this jet, all of a sudden it's like, oh, but it was Trump. So he must have been undercover, just looking undercover, out, undercover agent. For what? To help the FBI that he hates? What's, what are you talking about here? He what was working with the feds. He is, is part of the so fed direction. Oh, Trump's wait. A fed, so he's a fed now. Okay. Okay. And, but this extends like to all kind of lanes of right wing thought, even when people are trying to act like, yeah, I'm just a straight shooter, right? I just I, I just call it how it is. And 
this entire ideology that I saw in the comments when I was trolling uh, these MAGA people by saying that Joe Biden brought back Merry Christmas and that Donald Trump banned it. It's the same logic that followed. I don't know if uh, you folks out there have seen this clip of Joe Rogan that has gone super viral uh, in the past few days, but there was a clip of Joe Rogan from his podcast where he had this big setup, right? He was speaking about this moment that he had heard where he said, President Biden, oh my God, have you heard about this thing? President Biden, he said that there were airports during the Revolutionary War. And the fact that he said this, it's completely disqualifying. This guy, you couldn't even hire him for any job whatsoever. And then he was informed by his producer that no, Joe Biden didn't say those things. Donald Trump said those things. The clip you're talking about of Joe Biden is Joe Biden actually making fun of Donald Trump for claiming that there were airports during the Revolutionary War. And so like the MAGA people, like those random people in my comments with the Merry Christmas stuff would go, oh, well, when Trump says it, it's different. What did Joe, What was Joe Rogan's immediate pivot here? Joe Rogan immediately goes to Oh, well, Trump must have, he, he must have just tripped over his words. Just watch this clip. Watch the mental gymnastics here. Well, you know, there's people that voted for Biden that are doing it now. They're, yeah. They're like, I, what did I do? Right. Like, what did I choose? Like, I, how is this guy? Yeah. You just can't listen to an interview where he's saying some of the stuff he says that just makes no sense at all. It's like, you, you can't listen to those interviews and feel like you made a good decision. I, I don't know how you Did could. you hear what he said like yesterday or a couple of days ago? Mm -mm. He's he talking about the Revolutionary War. He's like, one of the reasons why we lost the Revolutionary War, one of the problems with the Revolutionary War was they didn't have enough airports. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen that? I saw that. It's like, what that? Like, pull him. It's if, crazy. If, if, you were, if you had any other job and you were talking like that, yeah. they would go, hey, you're done. A few moments later... The same stable genius who said the biggest problem we had in the Revolutionary War is we didn't have enough airport. <laughs> Whoa. So yeah, that's it. Whoa. Right. Just, what? Just for, for the record. Is that fake? It's not fake, but he was referencing Trump saying that. Here's what Trump saying it in 2019. Oh. Donald Trump said something about that. He didn't say G Jesus. He said a stable genius, and that's where the, oh. the transcription. Let me hear what it says. What did he say? <clears throat> in June of 1775, the Continental Congress created a unified army out of the revolutionary forces encamped around Boston and New York and named after the great George Washington commander-in-chief. The Continental Army suffered a bitter winter of Valley Forge, found glory across the waters of the Delaware, and seized victory from Cornwallis of Yorktown. Our army manned the airport. It ran the ramparts. It took over the airports. It did everything it had to do. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he fucked up. <laughs> yeah, he did. But I feel like that's just, you can yeah. tell too. It sounds like a little different. He's like you could tell he like messed up his words. But yeah, yeah, he's just, I don't know. To go over the airport. Well, that's the thing about funny. that's the but thing about media these days. It's like right. You, you gotta know. look into it. That's, that's the, the thing about thing media about these me. days. You gotta you gotta like look into like I don't know if like right wing media is just like I don't know like 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 but dudes like we're just like lying about like we, we've got to look into ourselves maybe and, and Brett. This is what like you and I were talking about. They just said that because when they thought President Biden said it, 
They were like, it's so disqualifying. This person can't even get a job anywhere. And this is scary. And this is unbelievable. Trump says it. They find out. And it's, oh, you know. The media these days, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You could tell he was just making a mistake, right? He fucked up, right? He just fucked up. There is a whole ecosystem grifting economy built off the back of this MAGA movement. And, and as we talked about it, Brett, last night, you know, it's so interesting where you see all of the – they always talk about this is a psyop. That's a psyop. Like they talk about things that are just like normal human occurrences as like there must be some sort of psychological operation going on against MAGA when it's just like people out there living their lives because everything that it's always projection and confession. Everything that MAGA tries to do is to kind of gaslight and create these false images of power and strength and big crowds where they're not big crowds and then uh, just continue to lie over and over again. I mean, just think about this, Brett. Remember when that Tucker Carlson, we were talking about last night, when the Tucker Carlson show like debuted on Elon Musk's new platform, it had like, they claimed it had some like stupid amount of numbers, like, like 10 billion, like something that was like exceeding even the amount of humans on the planet, right? They were like, this has been viewed 150 million times. More people have watched this than watched the season finale of Seinfeld or the Super Bowl or something like that, right? And, 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 and then so you'd expect then if Tucker went to some other platform like YouTube, like we're on YouTube, right? And all things are even, I'd expect to see more views than we get if he's getting 100 million views and they're saying more people watch Tucker than the Super Bowl. I just looked at his new website and everybody – if you look at it on YouTube, you're going to get Fed Tucker stuff. So be careful before searching it. I, I will just tell you that the videos are what? 50,000 views, 25,000 views, 70,000 views, which, okay. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that that's, that's little, but at the end of the day, where people really are, are not with this MAGA movement. And that's what one of the things I want to keep reinforcing over and over again is that fascism thrives on the projection of power that it doesn't have. They want to demoralize you and try to make you all believe that they're so big and powerful that their takeover is inevitable. By the way, that's not unique to the fascist movement that is MAGA. That is a historical precedent of fascist movements in general, which is why you see 20, 25% of a population that's the fascism part of it constantly, you know, in, in authoritarian states taking over the silent majority. The question is, does the silent majority show up on elections? Does the silent majority speak when the silent majority needs to, or does the silent majority get intimidated? And the pro-democracy community here in the United States of America, the silent majority is the majority of the people here. That's actually where the power is, you know? And so I think it's important that we remind people over and over again. All right, Brett, over the holidays, I've been seeing smelly Trump and Trump toe bags trending. I don't think we need to spend a huge amount of time on this because I want to speak more about the economy and where things are headed. But but uh, so so as, as I understand it, though, Brett, first you had Congress member or, or former Congress member Adam Kinzinger make a post that says, I'm genuinely surprised 
how people close to Trump haven't talked about the odor. It's truly something to behold. Wear a mask if you can. He posted that December 16th. And then comedian Kathy Griffin um, told Donald Trump's niece, Mary Trump, that her uncle Donald smelled, quote, like body odor with the kind of scented makeup products. And then Griffin added, quote, Donald has a distinct smell that doesn't get enough press. And then Donald Trump's team like responds to this. And they thought it was necessary that they reach out. And when they were asked for comment, they say that um, it's actually Adam Kinzinger who smells. They say they say Kinzinger farted before on TV, and he's a sad individual. They didn't deny that Donald Trump smelled, but they went after Kinzinger and said Kinzinger farted. I mean, could, could we just be just for a second though? Like they thought they had to respond to that. They were baited by it, and then their response is no, no, no. He farted, not Donald Trump. And it's like, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? And then, Brett, we started kind of uh, surfacing some this of these- on sec. This, 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 this statement is just world-class projection. I want to read the full statement that Donald Trump's spokesperson read. Because think about this statement as I read it, which is from Donald Trump's spokesperson. But think about it as, as, as if they are speaking about Donald Trump. This is their statement, once again. Adam Kinzinger farted on live TV and is an unemployed fraud. He has disgraced his country and disrespects everyone around him because he is a sad individual who is mad about how miserable life has turned out. If that does not describe Donald Trump to a T, this entire MAGA movement is a masterclass in projection. Sorry, Ben, you were saying we were digging up some- uh, Oh, and stuff. then we were able to dig up this video while Donald Trump was disgracing the office and apparently also stinking it up when he was- sitting next to the late uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, and he's uh, speaking, and let's just let the video speak for itself. Listen carefully. San Bernardino, Pulse Nightclub, and so many more. It's ridiculous. So today we're here in a bipartisan fashion to show leadership in an effort to end. He pulled the Giuliani on Jenna Ellis to (laughs) Senator Feinstein. Oh, poor, poor Diane Fines. Did you see the look on her face after it happened? Oh, it's completely and utterly disgusted. And then there's a lot of other clips like him with the leader of Turkey and, yeah. and him with other people like doing the same thing over and over again. So that became the number one trend in the world. Uh, and it's been Trump- trending for like three or four days straight now. Like every yeah. single day, there's some variation of this trend. And you know, it just has to really be getting under his skin if he actually felt the need to go ahead and comment on this. I mean, who comments on that? But Hillary Clinton is right. He's a guy you could bait with the tweet. And that's not somebody who you want in charge of the nuclear arsenal. But then it's like, this wasn't the only thing that started going viral, right? It's So this happened, this hashtag Trump smells, which had a few variations. Trump smells bad, Trump smells, Trump stinks. They were all variations of this trend that were, that were trending. And then there was this image that Donald Trump's team posted. Let me see if I could dig this up in our archives. So here's a, vi- here's a picture that Donald Trump's team posted, a behind-the-scenes shot of Trump posting those weird videos that he does to the camera where he shoots like a bunch at once. And 
one of our researchers noticed that there was something peculiar about this photo of Donald Trump. And that is in the picture they released, Donald Trump appears to be balancing on some sort of toe pads. They look like almost like they're like sandbags of some sort, which normally on a, a set would be used to balance equipment. Like if you have C stands set up, um, you know, various pieces of equipment around a boom mic, perhaps on a, uh, on a stand, you would use sandbags in order to lights, uh, you'd use sandbags in order to balance that equipment so that it doesn't topple over. And these were under Donald Trump's feet. Um, and so that also sent the internet into a complete frenzy, wondering why Donald Trump would need these toe bags to apparently uh, either balance himself. Uh, some people were speculating that it's because he has this lean as he uh, when he stands often, and it's to prevent himself from leaning uh, forward. Uh, some people were saying it was to prevent him from completely toppling over. Like, like um, cow tipping. Yeah, Trump Trump tipping. It's a new uh, new sport. Trump, you just tap him and he and he falls over. But you know, th this is now the kind of stuff that's coming out in the culture, and you know, it's it, it's silly and uh, cer certainly a bit immature and, and trite. But you know, these are the things that pierce at the heart of Donald Trump's tough guy image here that he's trying to portray. And these are the things that he's trying to mask the most, um, perhaps more than anything. Like this is the stuff that upsets Donald Trump more than even being convicted of crimes, quite frankly, which is the weirdest thing, which is why Donald Trump's team felt the need to so rapidly respond to this. And by the way, did not issue a denial, just said, no, it was Adam Kinzinger, actually, who uh, who, who, who farted in the past. And so that's the maturity level of our politics and, and what we are dealing with. But uh, that's why these trends were trending and, by the way, are continuing to trend. And many people are still speculating as to why he's using these pads. Like, if they were markers, they are, you know, markers for your feet. That's not what are used. I've worked on plenty of TV and film sets. They've, I've never seen a sandbag used as a marker for where to stand. You use a use either a piece of gaffer's tape or you use a, a, a T marker where that you put for the talent to go to. I've never seen this once in my life. So certainly a, a peculiar thing. Um, but, you know, Donald Trump is a peculiar guy. He's a, he's a weird, weird guy as, as we're seeing. And that's why part of showing that the wannabe emperor has no clothes it is important, you know. You can you can walk and chew gum at the same time. You can focus on the court cases. You could focus on the systemic peril he poses to our democracy. You could focus on all of these things, but you also shouldn't forget also how piercing a story like the fact that he smells putrid is to his entire identity of being a wannabe strongman, and it also helps prove. Again, Hillary Clinton's point, how easily he can be baited. And the broader point here is that if you could bait him by saying that he smells, what do you think that Vladimir Putin or what do you think Kim Jong-un and what do you think MBS and what do you think all these, you know, President Xi, what do you think the Taliban, what do you think they do to him? And, and Trump says in the speech, you know, he tells you, he goes, the Taliban told me, sir, they said, sir, your excellency, did, did they call President Biden your excellency? No, they called me your excellency. Kim Jong-un said, sir, sir, you, you, Vladimir Putin said to me, sir, you, you are so much better for democracy than President Biden is, sir. That's what, that's what Vladimir Putin says. What I'm saying there is accurate. Like 
what Donald Trump says at his speeches, just so you know, like I'm not just making that up in other words. Donald Trump quotes Vladimir Putin in Trump's speeches as a character witness that Donald Trump is better for democracy than President Biden. Because Vladimir Putin, according to Donald Trump, said, sir, let me tell you about it, sir. I think we, I think we know why they had tears in their eyes now, though, by being so close to the odor. Uh, you know, the one that I still can't get over you know, on all of these, where Donald Trump says that a military general approached him and said the bravest act that this military general ever saw in any combat was when Donald Trump at the debate said it was locker room talk when he bragged about sexually abusing women. And Donald Trump said the military general said that was the bravest act that the general ever saw in war. I mean, could you imagine could you imagine any like like how is that a thing that is somewhat that that someone says who's leading the Republican party? It's because the Republican party's dead, but here's the thing, Brett. If you look at what's happening and that data and we're data driven here. So when a red wave doesn't happen, we're not shocked cuz the data wasn't showing that, right? Like the media is so caught up in narratives that are so contradictory to the data that it's always like, whoa, no one saw that coming. Whoa. And it's like you, you kind of did, though, if you just looked at what was happening. And, and we're seeing that happen, Brett, in New Hampshire. It was developing in Iowa, but DeSantis is just such a horrible candidate that he's his own worst enemy in this. But if you look at this most recent poll taken by American Research Group, but more significantly, if you look at what Governor Sununu is saying and doing there, and you look at the history of New Hampshire primaries in general, the fact that Trump in this, according to this poll, is only up four to Nikki Haley. You got Trump at 33%, Nikki Haley at 29%, Chris Christie at 13%, DeSantis at 6%, Ramaswamy at 5%, and Hutchinson, Asa Hutchinson is still somehow on this list at 1%. But if you were to inc- but if you were to include Chris Christie's votes and you were to include some DeSantis, it actually then and you were to say, hey, this poll's even off. Just say the poll's slightly off, you know, for whatever reason. Um, what that still tells me is is that in New Hampshire, though, where they allow independents to vote as well in the Republican primaries, and New Hampshire, which has always had this independent streak, where they have Governor Sununu who's endorsing Nikki Haley and working hard with Nikki Haley. I don't. To me, I read that poll as actually Nikki Haley's in the lead, especially as you as you as you go at post Iowa and things start progressing. Like, could you imagine, Brett, if there was a poll like that out about President Biden in any of these states? It would be over, game set match. Oh, they would they'd be saying, "When is President Biden going to back out of this race and turn it over?" Like that. Those would be the headlines nonstop. But instead, you have to remember, uh, Donald Trump was the, is supposed to be the leader of this. This should be a wipeout in New Hampshire, right? This shouldn't even be close. This should be sixty point leads, you know, in in, in all of these states. And I just think what's going to happen is I think Trump will underperform in Iowa, where you require a little more organization. I still think Trump will pull out Iowa just because DeSantis got a lot of early endorsements from a lot of people who probably wish they're endorsing Nikki Haley now. But DeSantis is such a bad candidate, though. But he spent a lot of time in Iowa. So I think Trump underperforms in Iowa. 
I think Nikki Haley's going to win in New Hampshire. And then I, you know, or come very close. And then I you think you're going to have Trump say it's fake and this is fake and that's fake. And then, and then you're going to have South Carolina. And then I think the facade of Donald Trump being this powerful person who's going to win and steam and, and then is, is going to fade. And then there's going to be this whole narrative. I think by the time we're in, um, you know, by the time we're, we're, we're approaching Super Tuesday, where it's going to be the economy's doing well. I think President Biden's going to look calm and confident. I think Trump will have lost New Hampshire or it's going to be very close. And then there's going to be this whole other narrative now out there. And everyone's going to be like, whoa, where did this happen? How did we not see it? Or they'll try to take credit like they claimed it, like 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 they were like they called it. But I, Brett, I just see that's where the data's going towards. Like, look at what Trump says here in his most recent post about that new poll. Fake New Hampshire poll is fake. Fake New Hampshire poll was released on Birdbrain. He calls Nikki Haley Birdbrain. Just another scam. What do you mean? Who, who's who's a part of this one now? Is this part of the Bill Barr, Hunter Biden, de- Democrats? Linking with Governor Sununu is is that you know George Soros, <laughs> just another scam. Ratings challenged Fox News will play it to the hilt. Sununu now one of the least popular governors in U.S. Real poll, real poll to follow. So yes, Governor Kim Reynolds in Iowa, Governor Sununu because they endorse other people. They are now unpopular. If you don't so, meanwhile Donald Trump who can't even break 50% in New Hampshire, very popular guy in New Hampshire. Let me get that. <laughs> and by there. the way, it's not even just the one poll Ben, it's it's multiple polls. And this is why, you know, Donald Trump tends to react to the things in my opinion that bother him the most. That's why he felt the need to respond to that Nikki Haley poll. It's why he felt the need to respond to all, everyone speaking about the fact that he allegedly has some sort of putrid odor. And when you look at some of the other polls here as well, when you look at the CBS YouGov poll, for example, of Nikki Haley versus the other candidates, Donald Trump and whatnot, let's look at her likability compared to Donald Trump among Republican primary voters. You have Nikki Haley coming in at 55% uh, likability, DeSantis 37%, Ramaswamy 36% tied with Donald Trump. You have Christie back there at at 24%, but you have Ramaswamy and Trump tied at 36%. Trump and Ramaswamy tied and Nikki Haley in the lead in this New Hampshire uh, poll on likability. What about... uh, uh, voters who describe the candidate as prepared among likely GOP primary voters in New Hampshire. You have Trump and Haley neck and neck. Trump 54%, Haley 53%. Now, Donald Trump was once, sadly, tragically, the president of the United States. You think in a question about who is most prepared to be president of the United States, perhaps the person <laughs> who had the job would be the clear favorite. Here he is only leading by one point. But let's look at who these GOP primary voters in New Hampshire view as most reasonable. Once again, you see Nikki Haley at 51%. Then you see DeSantis at 37% and Trump coming in third at 36%. The data is really showing Donald Trump's weakness in New Hampshire. And frankly, he should be worried. And I posited on the show last time, I know some people were, you know, probably disagree with me and some people maybe do agree with me. I was saying that it's probably a time while I really respect the work that Chris Christie has done in this race, um, that I think he's done what he's needed to do 
uh, but it's perhaps time for him to step aside um, so that this never Trump kind of a group within the Republican Party can coalesce around another, another candidate and actually offer Donald Trump a real challenge in these primaries. And I've seen, though, Chris Christie's points that he has made in contrast to my statements. And I completely understand his points. And so I'm going to share them with you because I want you all to be able to make your own decisions with the data that we present and not just go by what I'm saying. And and we could disagree on on, on different things. So this is what uh, Christie said in New Hampshire. Uh, First, I'm going to read you uh, some of what his uh, one of his top aides said. Many Christie voters now see Haley as just another enabler and excuser of Donald Trump and his worst actions, as if she's really only angling to be his VP, not actually beat him. I think that's an incredibly valid point. Chris Christie himself added in New Hampshire, but here's my problem. If I were to drop out and support Nikki Haley, I have no confidence, no confidence in the fact that she'll make the case against Trump. And you know, I agree with him there too. You know, it could be two contradictory thoughts, but I completely agree with Chris Christie there <laughs> that does Nikki Haley have the gravitas to actually take on Donald Trump? And quite frankly, that's been the issue with all of these candidates in the primary, except for Chris Christie. It's why, frankly, DeSantis has sputtered and has done such a horrible job because for most of the campaign, he's also kind of been campaigning for Donald Trump. He's been afraid to say anything negative towards him until very recently, and his jabs have been very light. And so when you see somebody so unwilling to take on the their actual opponent, you know, I could understand as Chris Christie going, I'm the only guy really bringing the fight to this guy. If there, if there was someone else who could do it, okay. But, you know, so that's where we are right now. I think we are in for a very interesting time ahead. And like Ben said, there's so much other data around the Republican primary just happening in the country that is going to have such a huge impact on both the country and on the elections. I'm sure everybody's noticed in the past few weeks all this incredible economic news that we've been receiving day in and day out. And finally, you know, it's, it's taken a while and still they don't really quite get it. But finally, we're seeing some of this actually break through and show up on TV, on cable news, in newspapers. I'll show you this Wall Street Journal headline that came out just a couple days ago. This from the Wall Street Journal. Big headline front page, inflation ebbs, confidence rises, easing concern about slowdown. You had a Washington Post journalist, she goes on CNN, and she was asked for her opinion on the economy. Here's what she said. Are you bullish or bearish on the economy for 2024? On paper, the U.S. economy actually looks pretty great. Not only the inflation numbers that you mentioned. Inflation has been coming down, obviously. It's still not where we want it to be, but it's doing much better. Employment uh, has been doing better than anyone expected. Many people expected, professional forecasters expected that we would have had a recession by now, and we have uh, escaped that, fortunately, so far. Um, And in fact, not only are the numbers better than people expected a few months ago, they're even better on many dimensions than had been uh, forecast before the pandemic began. Like if you look at the Congressional Budget Office's uh, expectations for where employment would be, for where GDP would be right now, we have blown those numbers away. 
And note how she still has to like kind of qualify everything, right? That she said, we haven't hit the recession anything yet. Uh, here's, by, by the way, with CNN reporting on consumer confidence. Let's see what they now have to say on the consumer confidence in the United States. Conference board report shows U.S. consumer confidence jumping from a mere 101 in November up to 110.7 in December. That is actually the highest level since July. It's consumer confidence on the rise, reaching new heights. Now, this is one of my favorite clips that I saw all week. This is Kevin O'Leary. Leary, who many of you probably know from Shark Tank. He's a billionaire investor, and he was on Fox Business. One of the Fox Business hosts is Larry Kudlow, who was in the Trump administration, who is a guy who was literally wrong about every single thing in history. And I, Kevin O'Leary- I just want to say, I don't think Kevin O'Leary is a billionaire, though. I mean, he's easy. Kevin, o, Kevin O'Leary goes with whatever- A self-described billionaire, okay? I, I don't know what's in his bank account or his assets, but- Let's let let's say he is for the uh, for the purpose of a Trump a Trumpy billionaire Trumpy billionaire. But Kevin O'Leary, to that point, Kevin O'Leary was a guy who, up until I saw clips of him last month, you know, saying that you know economic doom is coming and blah blah blah. Kevin O'Leary noticeably changing his tune, and I don't think Larry Kudlow, who was a former Trump aide and is on Fox Business, expected Kevin O'Leary to come on and be so optimistic about the state of the economy. I'm excited, Larry. We got the juice in printing money. We've got the Fed slowing down. We've got the soft landing. We've got broadening of the S&P 500 and the S&P 500. And obviously the Russell 2000. This is a fantastic holiday season. (laughs) Rudolph the reindeer has arrived. Larry Kudlow looked very angry to hear uh, (laughs) hear Kevin O'Leary sit good economic news on the economic show. Um, And then President Biden was asked by reporters the other day, what do you think the economy looks like for the next year? And here's what President Biden said. About the economy, sir, what's your outlook on the economy next year? All good. Take a look. Start reporting it the right way. All good. Take a look. Start reporting it the right way. It's another way of saying, just look at the data. Just look at the facts, okay? We don't need to look at how people feel. We don't need to look at, we don't need to make up these BS narratives. Let's look at the data. Let's look at people's 401ks, okay? Let's look at people's wages. Let's look at the US economy, which grew 4.9% in the third quarter. Let's look at what happened with prices in November. We found out that prices actually fell in November. Prices actually decreased in November for the first time in a few years. Let's look at inflation, which is the lowest of any G7 nation. Let's look at the G GDP, which is the highest of any G7 nation. Let's look at the stock market. The stock market is the best measure of the economy. Absolutely not. But let's look at the stock market. So you'd look at the stock market under Trump, right? You have every day, every single day. Donald Trump signed. He Donald Trump once autographed a chart of the Dow Jones when they had one good day of gains at the beginning of the pandemic. And you know what happened? Like the kiss of death after Donald Trump signed that. I forget who he gifted it to. Um, the economy crashed had the worst stock market performance like since the Great Depression, had like a, a historic crash directly after Donald Trump signed one day of gains and tried to brag about the stock market. But where are we now? The Dow is at record heights, reaching levels that it's never seen before. The S&P 500 having record growth, the best job market, the lowest unemployment since the 1960s. We're going to see interest rates coming down in 2024. Like we said earlier in the show, both oil and renewable energy are breaking records right here in the United States. And that's in addition to to President Biden actually uh, you know, making good on a lot of his promises as best as he could, even when it comes to things like student debt 
debt relief that Republicans at every single corner have tried to block. So when you put all this together, as we head into this 2024, we're heading into 2024 with incredible momentum for President Biden. We're heading into 2024 with an incredibly optimistic outlook on the economy. And this is at a time when Donald Trump is spiraling out of control and is about to head into quite frankly, the worst year of his life where he is going to be a convicted felon, where he is going to be on trial after trial after trial, where the American people are going to be tuned in and they're going to be watching what's going on and they're going to be seeing right through his lies because they're going to be that apparent when they check their wallets or they look in their bank account or when they see what's actually going on in this country. And the difference is going to be clearer than ever. So. I feel incredibly optimistic heading into this 2024. You know, it's been a pleasure spending this Christmas holiday with you all here with all the Midas Mighty. I I'm, thank you for joining us, by the way, on this holiday and spending this block of time with us today. I know it's a busy day for, for a lot of folks, but thank you. You know what? Also, you could support us on Patreon, obviously, patreon.com slash Midas Touch. It's a great way to keep the network going. But one of the best ways to give the gifts of Midas Touch, it's free. You know, share our YouTube channel with some friends. We have the Midas Touch podcast. It's on all the audio platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, you name it. Share the podcast with a friend. Let's continue to spread the word. Let's continue to get these messages out there into the world in 2024 and beyond. We have so much power as this, as this community right here. And what Ben said before is so true. When you look at a lot of these right-wing people who pretend that they have these massive followings, when you look at the amount of viewership that they get on a lot of these platforms, it's far below this group right here that's watching us right now. It's far below the people, the pro-democracy coalition out there that is out there and spreading the word and may not be doing it super loudly and obnoxiously like they do on the other side, but is doing the work quietly and is getting it done and is doing an effective job. And you all should be incredibly proud of that. So I'm excited to head into this new year with, with you all. Uh, we will continue to be here pumping out some more podcasts, hot takes. We don't stop here on the Midas Touch Network. Ben, any other final words as we kind of make our way out of our special uh, Christmas uh, holiday episode over here? Yeah, we keep saying that 2024 is all about democracy over dictatorship. It's about normalcy over chaos. And it's also about President Biden living by a set of enduring American principles over Donald Trump engaging in this chaos and attack on our you know fundamental values here. We need to call out what that is each and every day. To Brett's point, one of the greatest gifts I always hear about is when I hear how you all are using these podcasts and shows that we have here on the Midas Touch Network to educate people in your friend group and your family and extended family and coworkers and colleagues. And so, um, yes, I'd love for you to join patreon.com slash Midas Touch. I'd love that. Um, and we're going to have uh, an after show after this show as well. Um, I'd love for you to go to store.midastouch.com and get that pro-democracy gear. But really, to Brett's point, if you can just share, if you could commit to sharing the Midas Touch Network, this YouTube channel, this podcast with just say one or two people, you could maybe five, 10, 15, the more people, the better. But just after this ends, share with people who may not know about this network and tell them about it. And that's a little thing that you can do to help grow this community right after it. So thank you all very much. Merry Christmas. 
We say that here. Happy holidays. We say that. <laughs> Joe Despite Biden brought it back. Thank you, President Biden. Biden. Thank, you, President Bi- Thank you, President Biden. Thank for you, President Biden. Biden. You saved we it. Couldn't, you saved we it. couldn't say it under Donald Trump. do without and now, you. And now we could say it under uh, President Biden. So thank you, President Biden. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Brett, you want to take it out? <laughs> Shout out to the Midas Mighty. The Midas Mighty standing strong. Against the fascists, we sing our song. We will get it right whenever. At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro democracy and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right. Gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.